Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Montreal Canadiens edition. We are joined this time by Andrew Zadarnowski from Habs Eyes on the Prize. Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Kelly. Yourself? I am good. Thank you very much. So, the Flyers and the Habs played pretty recently back on November 7th. The Flyers won 3-2 in overtime. And since then, um, it seems like... The Habs went on a little bit of a win streak, three games, and now they are in the middle of a six-game losing streak, which is always a good time. Um, What's been going on with the Habs since the last time we played? So the Habs are definitely in the middle of a skid right now. Six games, uh, six-game winless streak is definitely nothing to be happy about, and there's a lot of frustrated players in the locker room right now. Uh, Last time Montreal won, it was a... I believe it was a 5-2 win against the Washington Capitals. So they, be- you know, they beat one of the best teams in the league. They mm-hmm. uh, they managed to to kind of keep Alex- Alexander Ovechkin off the scoreboard. You know, it was a feel good moment. But out of that game, uh, Jonathan Drouin didn't finish the third period. So he was Montreal's uh, top scoring threat all season, and all of a sudden he went down to injury, uh, and he went ahead and he and he started missing games because he had uh, surgery on that wrist. And ever since that injury, Montreal has not been able to win a game. Six games in a row because one player is out. So obviously there's a lot of concern about uh, Montreal's ability to um, overcome that injury to to a, a top player. But at the same time, they've had a lot of defensive breakdowns, a lot of uh, brain cramps in games where you know two players would pinch rather than one player pinches and one player covers the line. Uh, and as a result, uh, for example, Yesterday, New Jersey scored two quick two-on-one goals because uh, Montreal was in the offensive zone and just got too greedy, too aggressive on the forecheck and were caught uh, going the other way back. So Montreal is kind of in a tight spot right now where uh, I think everyone's gripping their sticks a little tighter. Everyone's very nervous at this point. Uh, Carey Price isn't stealing games for the Habs right now, uh, and there's a lot of questions about their defense. So if there's any time for the Flyers to face Montreal, I would say it's right about now, because you guys are in a prime position to pick away at an injured animal. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about Carey Price. Um, neither of the goaltender's numbers look particularly good to someone just kind of looking at the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did read a couple of things on eyes on the prize um, about the fact that the, the defense is kind of blowing it. Are the goalies actually playing bad or is this just a case of the defense being not great right now? Um, it's a, it's a good question. Now, my personal opinion is that anytime the majority of the shots are coming from right in the slot area, um, it's going to be hard for any goaltender to stop them and opposition, like in the last six games, um, all almost 90% of the goals scored against either Carey Price or Keith Kincaid have come from the slot area. So the mm-hmm. Montreal defense is unable to box out players and stop them from getting on the inside and getting a straight shot at the net. Um, but that being said, Carey Price is not stealing games for the Habs, like I said. You know, he is uh, the highest paid goalie in the league right now, and it's, it's, a, it's a contract that he earned. But um, obviously, in terms of perception or public perception, if you're paid that much, you should perform at that level. And that's not yeah. happening right now. But uh, definitely uh, for him to 
bear the brunt of the majority of the of the criticism is unfair. Uh, definitely, the defensive side of Montreal is very weak. Uh, they have a a questionable top four at best. Really, you look at Shea Weber, you look at Jeff Petrie. Uh, those are two right-handed defensemen that are playing over twenty minutes per game, and then you have a sort of menagerie of of what's left. Uh, you have a, a Ben Sherritt. Ben Sherritt on the on the left hand side is probably the highest minuted defenseman, but um, he's not an offensive defenseman. So if he's paired with Weber, there's not much offense coming off of that top pairing. If he's paired with Petrie, then um, they haven't really gelled in terms of chemistry. Uh, and he's already your third top defenseman on that team. You'll have uh, youngster Victor Mete, who's uh, fast. Uh, very good on the back check. He's responsible defensively, but not much of an offensive flair from him. And and he's your top four defenseman. Uh, and the bottom pairing, you have uh, rookie Kale Fleury, who's you know surprised everyone when he made it out of camp. And he's, that's that's a fairly earned his right to stay on the team as a as a as a six you know as a third pairing defenseman. Uh, but everyone else is very much questionable. Mike Riley, Brett Kulak, and Christian Foline are the other three guys. And None of them are really even replacement level NHL defensemen at this point. They're all they're all very much struggling. So Montreal's defensive core is is their absolute weakness, and that was known going into the season. In the off season, Mark Bergevin tried to sign Jake Gardner, but um, mm-hmm. you know, for for many documented reasons, Montreal has a hard time attracting unrestricted free agents. So you know, unless Mark Bergevin um, does some sort of trade where he gives up future pieces for the present to fix the present um there's no real uh answer uh other than the 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 traditional typical answer that hockey players will give you that the answer is in the locker room right so that's actually kind of interesting because looking at the standings you guys are third in the wild card right now so it's not like you know you're detroit or new jersey you're just you know completely out of the picture at this point but as you've said things are going pretty badly and it kind of looks like um, there's some talk about maybe it's time to kind of blow this thing up and tank, um, or maybe it's time to put together a package for a big-time player like Taylor Hall to try to fix things. Um, given that right now um, we just got past American Thanksgiving, which is that benchmark that everyone always talks about. If you're in the playoffs at Thanksgiving, you're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But you guys aren't far out. So in your yep. mind, do you think that this team should be pushing to succeed this year? Or do you think that they should give it up and see if they can get that high draft pick? I mean, uh, Montreal has proven early on in the season that they're a capable team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's too early to talk about blowing it up or tanking, despite the the six-game slide. Usually my litmus test is that if, if the fans are complaining that the team should tank, the, the organization itself should show a bit more patience and, you know, probably give it 12 games, for example. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, to, to, to act on the whim of the fans is a very dangerous move by any organization. And yeah, I we're a finicky bunch. We very much are a finicky <laughs> bunch. Uh, and I try to remain objective. And that's why I think, you know, whatever patience the fan base has, the organization multiplied by two or by three. They have a plan. They know what their weaknesses are. I mean, if they don't know what their weaknesses are, I'd be concerned. But the fact that Mark Bergman tried to get Jake Gardner in the over in during the summertime uh, shows that he's at least aware that defense is a weakness and that he's missing some high-end talent on D. And, you know, at least they're aware of those kind of shortcomings. For Montreal to miss the playoffs this year, uh, I think would be unacceptable. Um, 
never in their history have they missed the playoffs four times in five to, in five years. Uh, mm-hmm. So you'd be setting some real some 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 dark um, records on the team, and I and I'm fairly certain that you know Mark Bergevin would not survive uh, you know uh, not making the playoffs yet again. So I think he's he's not a general manager that will make any moves out of panic out of you know out of reaction but at the same time he may be kind of gambling his job right now um, if if the team doesn't make the playoffs so it's gonna be interesting to see how they do and what they do in the next coming weeks if they don't write the ship you know they have a hard weekend coming up they get the flyers on saturday and they're in boston on sunday and correct me if i'm wrong but i think boston's undefeated at home so far this season mm. um that's not an easy place for, you know, an easy place to be for a team that's kind of needs a good moral victory. And that's why that game against New Jersey yesterday was, it couldn't come at the worst possible time. Mm-hmm. Um, they needed to get out of that skid. They're playing at home. Uh, they're playing against a, a wounded team that, you know, has been on a skid as well. And for them to come out as flat as they did with as many mistakes as they did um, is definitely a cause for concern. Funny enough, Mark Bergeron is not actually in even in North America right now. He is in Russia uh, trying to sign Alexander Romanov. Is that uh, right? Yeah, so he didn't hmm. see the he didn't see the game in person. Maybe saw it, you know, streaming or whatever. But mm-hmm. he, he's in Russia trying to like convince a few Russians to come over. Um, so he hmm. didn't see it. Funny enough. <laughs> Sounds like he missed a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this issue with defense, do you see it as more of a personnel issue, or do you see it as something that's starting with um, our old pal Luke Richardson? That's more of like a process problem. Well, given given the the personnel they have, and they, there's no solution in Laval either for them to call up and be an immediate fix, uh, they will only be as good as the sum of their parts. Meaning that Luke Richardson must have a uh, an absolute airtight pr- plan in place, an actual airtight strategy in place for the defense, and that everyone has to follow that plan. Um, for any brain cramps, any mistakes, Montreal will be scored upon. So, you know, they need to tighten that up. They need to tighten off, tighten up their their processes and, and the, the way they look at the game. Because, uh, you know, they have who they have. Unless a trade happens, you know, the players like Brett Kulak and Mike Riley aren't going to miraculously somehow become better defensemen. They are who they right. are. They have their limitations. And and the system that Luke Richardson puts in place has to take their limitations into account. And I'm sure it has to a certain degree, but uh, you know you can't let it slip any further than it is right now, giving up too many odd man rushes. Just not... And at this point, I don't even want them to pinch in and contribute offensively. I want them to purely focus on the defensive side of the game because that's what's killing the Habs right now. Okay, so I've made you talk a lot about the bad stuff. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about what's what's going well for the Habs. What might click that will give the Flyers fits in this game? Um, on the positive, we're seeing some resurgence from players that have struggled to find their game so far this season. Uh Players like Arturi Lekkonen, Max Domi, uh, and even to a certain extent, Jesperi Kotkaniemi are th- were three players that have struggled mightily so far this season. Uh, and they're starting to get on the scoreboard. I mean, with Jonathan Druin out, uh, the secondary scoring has not been there at all. And it's just starting to wake up a little bit. Uh, right now, Montreal is a one-line team. It's Brendan Gallagher, Philippe Dano, and Thomas Tatar. 
beyond that, there's no lines that are scoring threats on a regular basis. Um, but players that I mentioned, like Domi, Lekkonen, and um, Armia, to a certain point, is uh, awakening as well, and Kotkaniemi, that secondary and tertiary scoring is starting to pick up, but it's not nowhere close for the team to be a multi-line threat. So, sorry, I know you asked me to stay positive, but <laughs> but I, no, I, I, tried, I, I tried to sugarcoat it as best as I could. But um, from a positive point of view, there's just not much right now other than hope and expectation. Okay. Sometimes that's all you have. We lived yeah. like that for a long time in Philadelphia. Right, exactly. <laughs> hope and expectations. We're still kind of hanging on hope and expectation at this point, but <laughs> that's kind of like being a hockey fan, right? Unless you like, like you know, the Caps or I guess the stupid Bruins who are continue to be good despite damn those really good wanting... damn those good Bruins they're the worst I hate them so oh, much. so good so bad it's so annoying um how do you feel about the Flyers are you looking forward to this game anybody that you like to watch that kind of stuff for, for the Flyers' point of view, obviously, you know, you have uh, Giroux, who's French-Canadian, and he's always very popular in terms of, you know, when he comes to Montreal. Um, and I'm also curious, seeing Carter Hall's, uh, Carter Hart's development, see how he's doing. And what's the story? What's going on with Ghost Bear? You guys want to train him, perhaps? I don't know what's going on with him. It's I don't even know if... So we are... Um, the Habs game is going to be the second half of a back-to-back for us. We're playing the... Uh, Detroit Red Wings this afternoon. We're recording this on Friday. Um, and we don't even know right now um, if Ghost is playing in this game. He's been scratched, healthy scratched, the last three games. Um, if he's scratched for a fourth, I... Uh, like, three to me felt like what... That's a lot. Um, that's kind of like a bit more than sending a message to someone who's not playing well. So if he's scratched for a fourth, I don't know what's going on. Um, Do you feel he... Someone who would benefit from a new environment? Is it simply kind of worn out his welcome in Philadelphia? Or is he a player that's struggling with personal issues? Or kind of like, what's his situation right now? So he seems to be the kind of player who, as soon as he starts to struggle, um, gets way, way inside of his own head and struggles to get out of it. Um, Instead of kind of just playing hockey the way that he knows how, he seems to kind of think a little bit too much and as such hesitate on things that he could just be doing naturally or try to do things that aren't really a part of his game. Um, but this is kind of an ongoing thing for Ghost. He wasn't very good last season either. Um, we chalked a lot of the struggles for most of the Flyers last season up to the fact that the organization was kind of in chaos. Like the front office was terrible. No one liked the coaching staff. The players seemed miserable. Once everyone got fired and they brought up the AHL coach to coach for for an interim, um, things seemed to settle down, but Ghost never really came out of the funk that the entire rest of the team was in for the start of the season. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. Um, this may be in a situation where his first two seasons were so good um, that perhaps our idea of the player that he is 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 perhaps a little bit inflated Mm -hmm. and we're just never going to see that kind of electricity from him again and maybe we have to accept that but right now um this season he's just been abjectly terrible like it's not just oh he could play better it's he's been actively bad so Mm -hmm. i'm not really sure what's going there going on there i'm not sure that 
the Flyers could get in return in a trade the value that you would get from a Shane Gosses bear playing as well as we know that he can on the contract that he's on because he's on a, a very favorable contract. So I'm not sure trading him. If you trade him, I don't think you're going to get the kind of return that you would want for that kind of player just because he's playing so poorly right now. But it's, it's really hard to say. Um, I hope he plays today because he's not going to get better sitting in the press box. But if he doesn't yeah. play today, I, I mean, you have to start to wonder if it's not something more than just on-ice performance that has him benched because four games is a lot. It is. It is. But he also, he strikes me as a player that Mark Bergevin would look for, kind of a player that's Mm -hmm. on the downs that, you know, can use a resurgence in his career in a new environment. And Mark Bergevin loves his one for one trades. He doesn't, he's not a big fan of the package deals, but he loves like doing like a one for one. Like he does, you know, Galchenyuk for for Domi. He did uh, Subban for Weber, a couple of Mm -hmm. big examples there, but some smaller examples along the way as well. And he just looks like a player that Mark Bergevin would target as, you know, buy low, sell high kind of situation. Yeah, if, if you if you saw that trade happening, a one-for-one, one, mm-hmm. the Flyers trade Shane Gosses bear to Montreal, and Mark Bergevin is trying to improve his defense by taking a bet that this kid gets better. Who would you see coming back for the Flyers? Um, there, there, I mean, there's several options, and I don't know how, how realistic they are, but um, Montreal's got, a let's say, a glut of right-handed defenseman coming through the system. So mm-hmm. I can see him maybe potentially um, trading one of these futures for the present. Um, a guy potentially like uh, Noah Jolson, who's a first-round pick from 20, 2016, 2017, something mm-hmm. like that. He's, he's a good, solid defenseman, can play 20 minutes in the NHL, won't put up a lot of points, but just kind of like your typical stay-at-home defenseman that you can rely on on a second or third pairing. Uh, and he's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place right now because you have uh, Weber and Petrie that are not going anywhere. And then you have Kale Fleury, who's earning the right to stay on the team right now. Uh, and then you have a few youngsters like Josh Brook coming up and uh, uh, and a few others that were drafted last year. So he's kind of at that point right now where, you know, it's NHL now or never. And then he seems to me like a potential uh, trade target. Hmm. Like, like a, just like a trade bait kind of guy. That would be interesting. A one-for-one defense-defense swap. Yeah. That would be interesting. I mean, I, honestly, if, if it continues the way it is for Ghost here, um, trading him might be the best thing for both the team and the player because if he's not going to improve here, perhaps it is just kind of a change of scenery situation. Sometimes that really does help a guy out. So. Yeah, I mean, look at Max Domi, how he changed coming from Phoenix yeah. to Montreal, right? Yeah, big time. He was a time. totally different guy. Huh. Interesting. Hadn't considered that, but now that you're saying it out loud, I kind of like it, because the Flyers have a, a young defense um, for the most part. Mm-hmm. And we do have three right-handed guys, but um, two of them are old. <coughs> Excuse me. And we'll be coming off contract in a couple of years, so hmm. Interesting. You got me thinking now. I'm going to talk about go. this on our Slack later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the last thing that I'm going to ask you mm-hmm. is to give me a prediction for the game. Like I said, the Flyers are going to be coming off a game against the Red Wings this afternoon, so back-to-back. Mm-hmm. You guys have had a night off, just lost to New Jersey, 6-4. to four. If you had to put a score on this game, what would you predict? I think it's going to be defensively ugly on both ends. So I'm I'm going to call it like a 5-4 game, and I would like to hope that Montreal takes it. 5-4. That'll be, that'll be an exciting game. 
in like the most infuriating way, I think. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. It's going to be interesting. You guys are getting Brian Elliott. Mm-hmm. Harder Heart starting today, which I would not have done it that way. I would have done it the opposite way, but I don't coach, so I don't get to make those choices. But um, Brian Elliott's been pretty good the last couple of games that he's played. So I'm going to say that Moose comes out and crushes it again, and it mm-hmm. is a 3-1 Flyers win. There it is. We'll see what you happens. Should, you should rest easy knowing that I am literally never right. I think I've gotten like one right this season. So, yeah, I try. And I'm, I always pick the Flyers winning because I feel like that's what I should be doing. And also, I like to be positive about the hockey team. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think it'll be a fun game. I like watching the Habs, even when yeah. they're bad. Yeah, and I, you know, one of my best person. buddies growing up was a Flyers fan in Montreal. And he had it rough coming up. Ah, but, I bet uh, he did. He never, he never gave it up. Uh, and, you know, to this day, he's now he's living in California and he's still uh, waving the Flyers flag. So. That's awesome. Shout out shout out to him. Shout out to Alex if he's ever potentially listening to this. <laughs> if he's not, you should tell him about it. It's great. <laughs> That's it. Listen to this pod. I'm on it. Yeah, Alex, listen to Project Hockey Radio. It's wonderful. You will love it. <laughs> nice. All right, Angie, thank you again for hanging out with us. This is great. I really appreciate it. No worries. It was fun, and uh, hopefully uh, do this uh, again sometime. Yeah, so we've got Flyers, Habs, 3 p.m., Saturday afternoon hockey, which is the best kind of hockey in my opinion. Hope everyone enjoys the game. Go Flyers. Go Habs.